Hey team, welcome back to the show. Today it is Coach Natalie and I talking about how to lower hunger while dieting. I think this is a very important topic, kind of an underrated topic. Um, when we're talking about dieting, it's so easy to get into like the like what's the periodization look like, things like calorie cycling, diet breaks, like low days, high days, etc. But really, kind of the pieces we're gonna touch on here. I think are some of the fundamental pieces a lot of people miss that would make the diet so much easier. And really, like when we look at it, um, I think diets primarily fail for two reasons. One, just a misunderstanding of what we need to be tracking and how we need to be tracking. So for example, like maybe someone's tracking calories, but just tracking like 50 to 60% of their intake. So it feels like they're dieting, not losing, not making progress, or maybe it's just I'm eating healthy and trying to lose. Um, but either way, within that, uh, it's eventually, hey, I'm not making progress and I give up or B, I'm just so damn hungry that I can't stick to it and the diet fails because of that. So um, again, I think a very important topic to touch on and we'll really get into a lot of things that we focus on with clients as well. Before we get into, I have eight key points here and I'm sure there'll be a lot more that come up along the way. Um, anything else that you want to add, Natalie? No, I am excited to get into this. All right. So point number one. Accept that some hunger is a normal part of getting lean. I think this is important. Um, now, the degree to which you, some of this will also be genetic. Some people's hunger mechanisms are hunger mechanisms, um, genetic predisposition to hunger rather, are just naturally going to be higher than others. So there is some genetic variance here. Um, and it is important, I think, as coaches, more than anything, to take that into account. Um I have, I can think of one client in particular who was, even when we were like at maintenance, she always struggled with hunger and she had always struggled with hunger previously. And we did a lot of things with her food selection with like keeping her protein higher that did really help. But it has been, it is interesting to like look at just people's different genetic predispositions there. Um, but also it's, again, it's important to understand that hunger in a deficit isn't necessarily like some hunger isn't necessarily a bad sign. Um, I often look at it as a, Hey, this is probably a good sign that we're actually eating fewer calories than we were previously. Your body is sensing that we're losing body fat and really almost it's one of your body's defense mechanisms, right? If we look at it similar to many other processes of metabolic adaptation, it's one of your body's defense mechanisms against eventually starving to death. Now, of course, like that's, we're not going to take your diet to that point. Um, but within that, your body senses you're losing fat, you're losing fat quickly. We're basically losing energy stores for it to fall back on. So hunger is a way, hey, let's encourage you to eat a little bit more to replenish these energy stores and again, avoid too much fat loss, right? So that again, it's going to be a natural part of it. And for most everyone, some hunger is going to be unavoidable, right? It's just part of the process that I think is important to embrace because if you can embrace it as normal and just like, I'm going to be hungry. This is a good sign that I'm in a deficit. It is what it is. It can just make it so much easier to kind of just normalize it versus being afraid of it, right? Um, it is easy to kind of get in a mindset that like hunger is an emergency and I just have to deal with it right away. And again, like depending on how lean you're getting, if your goal is to get absolutely shredded, really, you're probably going to be pretty damn hungry. Um, a lot of people just want to get lifestyle lean rather than shredded in there. Depending on the person, there probably won't be that much hunger. We might be playing with a five, six, uh, maybe as we're getting close to mealtime, a seven every now and then. But hunger typically won't be all that high. Whereas I know like like before my last photo shoot, there was like the times where it's just like literally moving my body just feels so heavy. And I'm just like so hungry. 
it's just like hard to move. Whereas again, when we're in your lifestyle lean, we don't have to take it to that point. Um, but understanding some hunger is normal is important here. What do you have to add there? I think there's a real fear of hunger with a lot of people uh, because mm -hmm. hunger is uncomfortable. You know, I mean, it doesn't feel great, I wouldn't say, <laughs> but I think we could probably start there and, and, and try not to assign a value to like the hunger that we feel in terms of like, this is good or bad. You know, it just is. Um, right. And as you, to your point, accept that hunger is just a part of this whole process. Right. Um, when we're eating in a calorie deficit uh, with the goal of fat loss, we're intentionally under eating right. is what we're doing. Um, so hunger is normal. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it should take anyone by surprise <laughs> that that this is going to happen within a calorie deficit. You know, um, I am very much like, let's listen to your body and let's tune into your body. Right. But when we're intentionally under eating, which is what a calorie deficit is, we're essentially having to override that. And I think just having a command of that understanding is is definitely like the first most important point on your list here. Yeah. It's and similarly, like you'll feel a little bit more tired in a deficit because we're literally calories are energy. We're literally in a deficit of energy. We have less energy coming back than our body needs to maintain. Right. So again, like just normalizing those things I think is valuable. Um, the calorie hoarding is also another example. I think where, where people like really get themselves into trouble. Um, we're just talking about this off air. A lot of people are in a place where it's like, I'm so afraid of being hungry at night that I try to reserve as many calories as I can for late in the day. But interestingly, I think that often backfires. I almost always see when we space our food more evenly throughout the day, which we'll touch on a little bit in a moment, that actually really helps mitigate hunger so much better versus trying to save your calories for later in the day. It's funny how um, that usually stems from fear of hunger, right. but then you end up hungry. As a result, you know, so it kind of does not work out the way that you would think it would. Um, this is I something I think it's kind of sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm just gonna cut you off there. I think it's kind of too far. <laughs> I know, like, I, I did this a lot when I first started tracking my food, and for me, I also really liked having that, like, like the treat at the end of the day where it's kind of like ties into. Is similarly to like having a glass of wine at the end of the day or whatever it is, right? Where it's like almost a way I think that you wind down and relax. I know I've definitely been there. Like for me, it was like I would save a ton of my calories up so I could have two tubs of Halo Top a couple times a week, like at the end of the day, which now I think Halo Top is terrible. But um, mine was always like a Greek yogurt bowl um, yeah. with like frozen berries and cereal and like maybe some chocolate Ooh. chips. But that was what like kind of cereal there? Um, I mean, my favorite is of course, cinnamon toast crunch, but you know, that would, that would be my thing is I'd switch up the cereal. Okay. Okay. It, yeah. That was like my, my thing at the end of the night. And so like, mm -hmm. I feel like we've all done it. <laughs> yeah. But again, like a lot of times, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, like having that thing that you enjoy at the end of the night, but also if it's backfiring, backfiring on you or you're like eating as little as possible all day. It'll, that'll also start to hinder our training performance, our ability to best recover, build muscle, et cetera. So definitely can be a negative. Um, next up, choose protein options further down the fat scale. So 
really almost all of your proteins will exist on a spectrum where we have kind of fattier and leaner versions of the same protein. So a good example of this would be like chicken breast and chicken tenderloins. Those are going to be very lean versus chicken thighs, right? Or if we look at like your meats, we have like a 93.7 ground beef or like an 80.20 and 93.7, we have a 97.3, right? Um, we have your normal bacon, we have turkey bacon, we have eggs and egg whites. One of the easiest things to do to right away reduce your overall caloric intake without it really seeming like your food intake is much different is if you do have options that exist on the fattier end of that spectrum, even like think like 2% cottage fat, cottage cheese, or like Greek yogurt that's not non-fat Greek yogurt, like just shifting to those non-fat or low-fat options, even like the reduced, the like part skim cheese versus the like whole fat. Such easy options to reduce your total caloric intake without it really seeming like you're eating much less food at all, having a similar taste, maybe not quite as good, let's be real, but having a pretty similar taste. I will say though that chicken tenderloins are so far superior to chicken breast. Would you agree with that? Yes, but um, I recently got some chicken breast. I actually just cooked some today and I used like one of those like meat mallet hammer things, you know, or like to me tenderizer. Like a sledgehammer? Yeah. Okay. Oh, meat tenderizer. Okay. Tenderizer. And so like I made all of my chicken breasts like roughly the same width and like did that in the air fryer and like salt, pepper, all that. And I was like, this is so much better. It's so much really? better. Actually, but I'm I'm also with you, like tendies for life. Have you have you seen the movie Dumb Money, by the way? No. Crazy. It's about like the GameStop thing with the stocks a couple of years ago. Anyways, oh. tend the word tendies reminded me of that, but it's super crazy. Crazy that it's real. Anyways, um, next up, prioritize a reasonable amount of food volume. So basically, um, Think of food volume as literally the amount of space that the food you're taking out takes. So if we compare like 100 calories of olive oil, that's going to be like what? One teaspoon, one tablespoon, two tablespoons. Uh, I think like one tablespoon is like 120 or something like that. Whereas 100 calories of strawberries is like a giant bowl of strawberries right now. Same caloric value, but how filling those foods will feel is dramatically different. So a big part of getting a satiety signal, basically getting a full fullness signal is activating stress receptors in your stomach. So this is less, a lot less to do with the total caloric intake and more so about the volume of the food in your stomach. So when we're prioritizing higher volume foods, this is a good way to really fill up for relatively lower calories. And this is also, I think where like meal plans and at very least we'll consistently like dig into clients food logs to really help them optimize these things adjusting those things can make such a big difference in a fat loss phase so like some go-to options potatoes are such a good option um when we look at the satiety index of foods which is basically like per calorie how filling our foods a boiled potato is the single most filling food per calorie that we can eat so that's always a great option now it doesn't have to be boiled. It can be like a baked potato. You could dice it up and say, fry it. I don't, I've never. Stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> just like boil a potato and munch on it. Um, but you could dice it up. I will say like air fryers, honestly, mm -hmm. air fryers are the best for everything. Yes. Um, tendies and taters. I have never heard you say the word tendies, but it's so crazy that I watched that movie last night where they say tendies like a ton of times. And now you're saying tendies too. Um, it's called the uh, Botter Meinhof effect, by the way. The what? sidebar the Bader meinhof effect well, like where you've never heard something before and then you hear it and all of a sudden it's everywhere it's uh, a thing huh. that's your 
I'm interested to hear where else the word tendies comes up for me now. Um, but anyways, <laughs> like diced potatoes. And I mean, even like just spraying a bit of, and now this still does have some calories, but it'd be a lot less. And if you like used uh, like actual olive oil, but just like some of the spray on like cooking spray olive oil, just hit it with, with a quick spray of that. Put like some sea salt on it. Um, that's a great option to dress Elite. your potatoes up a little bit. Elite. So um, the big ass salads are another one. As you all know, I am a fan of mustard salads specifically, but you really know. like, but really again, like a salad. Let's, if you have like a ton of, a big bowl of spinach and mixed greens and things of that nature. You can get so many good nutrients within that, but also it's really so filling for so few calories. Like so much, I think three cups of spinach is between 15 and 20 calories, really a ton of it. Um, and you can use something like a, uh, like a low fat vinaigrette, for example. Um, I wasn't going to say mustard. <laughs> um, you could use you can use mustard in a pinch as well, but like a low fat vinaigrette is a great option. There's a lot of lower calorie or like reduced fat salad dressings, or, I mean, you can just save some room for an actual salad dressing. If you prefer that doesn't taste like shit, um, like lemon juice or lime juice and like vinegar, great options. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that as well. There are really lots of good options. Um, Strawberries are another one. Berries, berries in general are very, very good options here. Strawberries specifically, though, are one I will use quite frequently with clients. Um, you can just get so much volume there for so few calories. Oranges are another one that are very good, very high on the satiety index of food. Also very nutrient-dense, great source of vitamin C. Um, really, most fruit, most vegetables are going to be great options. Anything else to add there? Yeah, Um the the side bonus here is that you know this is this is geared towards like you know trying to like eat a decent amount of food volume right to like offset a little bit of hunger but the the side piece here is that you're also like high in nutrients which you know doesn't necessarily fight hunger so much but it's going to make you feel so much better right so that's worth mentioning um yeah. And then also sometimes depending, and this is of course, depending on, you know, your calorie intake, like how many calories you have at your disposal here, but sometimes just like lower calorie versions of food that you like, right? Like if you're, you know, um, used to having like, uh, a sandwich with, you know, Dave's killer bread, which is so good. You could switch to like the thin slice Dave's killer bread kind of thing. You know, so make easy swaps like that. So that way you're not like reworking your entire diet. Um, but you know, just, I guess kind of along the lines of like swapping chicken breast for chicken thighs or chicken thighs for chicken breast, you know, kind of same, same idea here. It's like more bang for your buck. Yeah. Like chicken thigh tendies is chicken breast tendies. Um, right. Space your meals relatively evenly through the day. Um, so as an example of this, before years ago, before this is something we were very proactive about, I remember I would like, if a client was struggling with hunger, I would hop into the food logs. And a lot of times what I would see is like, all right, first meal, you ate 89 grams of protein. The rest of the day, we had like five grams of protein, five grams of protein, five grams of protein. So within that, um, nothing wrong with eating like a large breakfast, for example, or any like one meal being larger than the others. That's okay. Um, but within that, especially like with our protein, our protein is going to be very satiating and very filling per calorie consumed as well. So spacing your protein relatively evenly throughout the day, 
both from a hunger perspective, but also from muscle growth perspective, which is kind of a different topic, something we've touched on many times with stimulating muscle protein synthesis optimally, um, it's going to be a good idea. But again, if it's like you're having a massive bolus of this very filling food, which is going to be protein in one meal, and then you're eating hardly any later in the day or throughout your other meals, you're going to struggle with hunger more at those meals. So again, it's not that all your meals have to be exactly the same size, but um, I would really like when you are, when you are in a situation where it is like, okay, this meal is going to be smaller. I would try to make up for it with volume. So for example, like I just started my mini cut. Now, um, my first meal of the day is one where my food volume is a little bit lower. My fat content is a little bit higher. So I have eggs in it, which aren't, aren't of course, like a great, they are a great option, but also they're going to be a little bit more calorie dense, pretty fat heavy. That meal isn't very high volume at all. Um, but this my most calorie dense meal of the day, whereas like I have a meal later on that it's basically just like protein from chicken tenderloins and, um, a big ass salad. Um, because that, that meal is like a lot lower calorie, but I'm kind of making up for that by eating so much volume with the salad. So, um, I would at least try to offset that and at very least try to space your protein pretty evenly throughout the day. Anything else to add there? Now, on the mindset side of this, um, I will always talk my clients through the fact that, like, think of it this way, like, you're really, if you're doing this, which you should be, um, your next meal is really only, like, three or four hours down the road, right? Like, mm -hmm. you wake up, you eat, or, you know, whenever you eat breakfast, then it's like, give it another three, four hours, then maybe we have another meal, same thing, three, four hours, another meal, um, and then at some point we, we go to sleep and then you get to wake up and have breakfast. So, right. you know, if you're struggling with hunger, just thinking about the fact, like, you know, you have to, you have to kind of condition yourself. Like I, I am not starving. Like my meal is just around the corner. And within that as well, I think when we address all these things, it's pretty rare that hunger will actually be that high. I think that again, like getting into things like that's just when we're like in a situation where someone is really, really pushing versus again, like someone pushing to get lifestyle lean. I think that more so like the mindset around it. And again, like our optimizing these things is oftentimes the biggest issue there versus anything else. Um, focusing on food quality is going to be an important aspect of this as well. So as you mentioned, like a diet of mostly nutrient dense, minimally processed foods will be more dense in the micronutrients you need to feel your best and get the best results in a fat loss phase. We talked about this idea a lot lately as well. Healthy body is a responsive body. So making sure that we're getting in all your micronutrient needs to support uh, hormones, thyroid, things of that nature is only going to yield better results. But also less processed foods will digest slower and thus keep you full longer versus more processed options, right? So again, if we look at that potato, okay, so if we turn that potato into like uh, mashed potatoes, where is it? We've like done some of the mashed potatoes, by the way, is so good. Um, all, honestly, potatoes in all forms, delicious. But um, if we turn that into mashed potatoes, suddenly we've done some of the processing. Now, furthermore, if it's like we turn it into a potato chip, right, where it's more processed still, um, probably going to digest even quicker still. But also, it takes energy for us to process said foods, which will also slightly increase the thermic effect of the food, basically the calories you burn in the digestive process. Honestly, not going to be a huge contributor of fat loss. Not going to tip the scales too far either way, but can help your cause a little bit if the goal is to get leaner. Um, and I think this is a pretty big mistake. I really like all this, all these things kind of go together. 
But this is a pretty common mistake that people make when dieting is again, it's just, if it's like I'm having a quest bar or a protein shake for breakfast, and then I'm having like a handful of almonds and I don't know, a smoothie for lunch, then again, it can just be so easy to just, man, 1800 calories, 2000 calories seemed like absolutely nothing. Anything else to add there? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, kind of in the vein of the, the last one we talked about, focusing mostly on single macro foods. This is pretty similar to the idea of, okay, we're going to choose protein options further down the fat scale, right? So again, if we had like that example of a ribeye steak, that's going to be very, very fat dense and have a good amount of protein in it as well versus like a sirloin steak, which is going to be very lean, a very similar volume, if not more volume, more protein as well, actually. But then that's like hundreds of calories that you could spend on. Maybe we're going to have like an avocado alongside that or a potato, right? Something of the sort. So or you can have like a whole huge salad as a side, you know? Right, exactly. And again, like none of these things are, hey, you have to do this all the time, but rather just good rule of thumb, especially when we're like trying to manage hunger. Similarly, when you're ordering, when you're ordering out at restaurants as well, it's another good rule of thumb is like, can I call out all the ingredients on my plate and in front of me? And can I actually see these, right? So if it, that'll typically be your best bet for a lower calorie option, right? So if it's like a, like mac and cheese, for example, also so good, like some lobster mac and cheese, hell yeah. Um, but within that, um, there, we're not gonna be able to like actually call out all the ingredients. It's like, oh, there's probably some butter in here, some cheese in here, some oil in here, right? I can't necessarily tell. Whereas again, that like potato, Okay, I can see all the ingredients here um, or jasmine rice or whatever it is. That's typically going to be your lower calorie option. Um, anything else to add on that one? I don't agree. Um, and yeah. sidebar, like if you're tracking your food, which if you're dieting, you probably are. You're trying to quantify somehow how much you're right. eating. The, you, your margin for error is like goes 69% up. 69% less. Oh, more. Oh. It goes up exponentially, like when, you know, you get the lobster mac and cheese, for example. Oh, like, yeah. Good luck finding that in my fitness pal and like feeling confident that you chose correctly, you know, versus a steamed, let's go with the steamed potato. <laughs> I would never do that. Yeah. Again, this isn't to say never eat lobster mac and cheese, because obviously we both take a lot of joy from that. But in your fat loss phase probably going to be less conducive to making things worse work versus that maintenance phase that building phase etc where it will be a little bit easier or maybe it's like something we're working in a repeat day or maybe just not outside of the fat loss phase is probably a better time and i will add another point here that one of the benefits of focusing on single macro foods is that you know when things inevitably come up because they will mm-hmm. and you have to like pivot or change plans you know, like, oh man, the store didn't have my whatever, or like the restaurant was out of the thing that I was going to get or something. Like if you're going with single ingredient foods, it is so much easier to make swaps than oh, yeah. like if you had something like elaborate planned in my fitness pal. I was like, wow, this just like throws my whole log off. It's like, you know, you kind of screwed yourself with that one. So whereas, you know, the, I went to the restaurant, I wanted to get the cod, they ran out of fresh cod. so. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have shrimp, right? Like or tuna steak. Like right. those would be great swaps. Versus, man, I really budgeted for this, um, you know, four cheese lasagna. <laughs> you know, which again, who knows everything that's in there? 
And then they're like out of it or, you know, something happens. It's like, well, now what? Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. That, that is, that is a great point as well. Um, and again, keeping in mind that like the season, the phase you're in is very important as well. Inherently, like the fat loss phase is the one that's most restrictive, but typically best to just buckle down and get it done versus trying to live your best life and dragging it out months and months and months longer than it needs to. Um, minimize liquid calories. So similar to what we talked about before, the rate at which something digests will impact how long it keeps you full. So if we compare like milk versus Greek yogurt, gonna have pretty similar macros. Actually, Greek yogurt will be a, a little bit better as far as the protein goes per amount of calories, but somewhat similar. Whereas, but that Greek yogurt, that is gonna digest pretty slow. Keep you full for a good amount of time. Actually give you more protein versus the milk is going to digest very, very quickly. Um, I see you have an option. You have something here about smoothies versus Greek yogurt. Was that me? Oh yes, yeah, that was me. <laughs> Sorry, I was just sidetracked because I was thinking about all those um delicious like coffee concoctions at Dutch Bros. And I was just thinking about like how fast I can slam those. Oh yeah. Like Dutch they taste slaps. so good. You know, but like those, like my point is is dairy-based like coffee drinks, all those fun frappuccinos, like they mm-hmm. taste so good. And like I drink them so fast. And it's like before you know it, there's how many calories like gone. Right. And oh, yeah. I'm I'm not full, like oh, far from. No, absolutely. Yeah, right? your coffee so, typically isn't very filling. That is a great example of that. But you can't easily get hundreds of calories there. I was, yeah. So sorry, I was thinking about Dutch Bros because I love it so much. Um, but yeah, so even things like um, the the act of chewing sends like a signal to your brain that you're that you're eating, which will help you feel more full versus drinking something so like nothing inherently wrong with smoothies i mean it's a great way to get in lots of nutrients and like Mm -hmm. you know protein powder greek yogurt and whatnot but the whole like drinking versus chewing is is a thing when it comes to satiety okay um and similarly on like coffee note a sugar-free coffee syrup is where it's at um if you live near one like they have the best options (laughs) i am truly a big dutch rose fan as well so you can hype them up all all you want we're actually getting the sponsor of the podcast um (laughs) i'll have to reach out to them um but really this is something that can save you if you're not someone who like just drinks your coffee black which i was for a very very long time until katie was like hey you know you can get like sugar-free syrups that are no calories and it makes it taste so much better um which is yeah which also i mean my my parents were such coffee snobs that i should actually just like have a good taste for coffee but i i do not so i just try to get it down but anyways sugar-free coffee syrups can really be great they can really help and again like can save hundreds of calories um just like an americano a cold brew whatever it is those are those are typically or like a black coffee those are typically going to be your lowest calorie options whereas a latte will I would say is probably better. Um, but I mean, if you're more about the caffeine, which is typically my number one priority, cold brew is going to be your winner there anyways. Um, diet soda versus regular soda. Um, root beer. I, pretty self-explanatory. Root beer. Diet root beer. Root beer. Oh, oh yeah, it's, because it's caffeine-free, right? Yeah, it's so good. The downside of that is no restaurant has like a diet root beer. I know. Um, I've asked for that many times and unfortunately they don't they always have diet Coke and diet or diet Dr. Pepper. Um, but yeah, diet root beer is a great option. 
um and other drinks like uh what is the one we really like that's like fresca, uh, fresca yes frescas are so good. so good yeah Great. i'm a huge fan of frescas i drink frescas all the time um and then when it comes to alcohol you know again it's not to say it is good or bad ultimately up to you i typically like it because i mean definitely like i'll drink a, a couple glasses of wine per week with katie um but in my fat loss phases i will typically cut that back quite a bit more I'm also someone who I tend to prefer my fat loss phases to be quite a bit more aggressive. And like we've talked about many times, I just like to get that shit done. Right. So almost, I mean, two of my last three fat loss phases have kind of just come in the form of mini cuts. Um, because I prefer to just buckle in. I'm just going to follow a meal plan on 100%. But again, you don't have to do that. So if you are going to drink more alcohol, leaning towards lower calorie options similar to the coffee can make a big difference without really impacting the taste like skinny margaritas versus regular margaritas i personally think skinny margaritas actually taste better but it's I going do. to be you know disagree no nope. really are you like a blended margarita or are you a blended margarita person i'll go on the rocks i just don't like okay. skinny good to hear margaritas. That. but what i will do if like in a dieting phase and indulging now i haven't actually had a drink in like half a year at this point but if i did um i actually i do legitimately like tequila so i'll go like tequila with like lots of fresh lime juice and like soda water okay it's it's called a texas ranch water actually um, okay i like the name so it's basically like a margarita but without the cointreau or triple sec whatever they use the orange liqueur and mm. and without the like the added sugar like the um, sweetener what are the but ingredients of that one more time what what are the ingredients of that one more time i'm intrigued by that oh so it, it would be like a shot of tequila pick a nice okay. one please um with fresh lime juice and soda okay. water over or club soda over ice okay it's it's refreshing and like quite good and if you like if you like a margarita and you legitimately do like tequila as like i do i i really enjoy it and it's i mean way 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 less calories than an actual margarita I might have just not ever drank good tequila, but I don't I like people who like just like the sipping tequilas. I am amazed by that. <laughs> but yeah. you're probably you're probably you are more more culture than I, so you can probably speak to that. Give some good recommendations. I'm not sure if like tequila selection has to do with being cultured, but <laughs> anyways, moving okay. on. Similar similarly though with like the diet soda thing, like if you are someone who drinks like a whiskey and coke, for example. Um, which I don't really see very often, honestly, since I am not 21 anymore, but back in the day, I think that was a much bigger thing than it is now. But if that is the case, um, going with like a diet soda or just something on the rocks, I, again, typically, if I'm going to do this, if I'm in a fat loss phase, I almost always will just order something I know is going to just taste fucking terrible. So I don't drink that much <laughs> bit. Uh, so I will almost always just do like a whiskey on the rocks and I guarantee I will not finish it. Um, we have like a bottle of scotch here that I like Oh, almost three years ago decided I was going to like, I thought it'd be cool if I, like scotch was my drink. And I think I've had like half of one serving oh. of it and it has sat there ever since, but I'll give that like to you when you come to our house. Um, yeah, not it great. It tastes like a campfire. Like cannot. Nope. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from I, this. No, I want to, I want to add one more thing. Um, and I feel like I have like all the alcohol hacks here, which is again, funny. Cause I just like really haven't had a drink in a long time. But, um, but if, if you're like bound and determined to have a drink and you are in fat loss, um, a couple ways that you can think about it is like, what, what's the 
why are you drinking, right? Like, are you drinking to have something in your hand or are you drinking because you legitimately like want the impact of alcohol? So to your point, like a single ingredient liquor, like tequila on the rocks or like the Texas ranch water I talked through, something like that. It's yeah. going to be good paying for your buck in terms of like the actual like proof of alcohol, right? You're trying to get hammered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're really just trying to like, oh, I just kind of want to participate, but like not really, you know, looking to send it, you know, the things like, like the white claws, like the hard seltzer, like they actually are yeah. pretty calorie. That's but, a good point. Like yeah, that's like drinking for a buzz. It's yeah. going to take more white claws. So you might end up like actually consuming more calories if that's what your aim is so that's, that's a good point like in that situation i would honestly like similarly like a glass of wine is going to be like 120 110 to 120 calories right where all of your like what a shot of tequila is still going to be like 90 to 100 calories right so i mean there it's more so like if you're consuming a, that's a great point if you're consuming a larger quantity versus you're just going to like casually have one drink that's where it's again unless you're it's going with like safer. a typical margarita or like a Bahama Mama or something like that. Oh um, that's where Long I just, Island I, iced tea. Yeah, a Long Island iced tea or something yeah. of the sort. Um, I when I first turned twenty one, I remember at, at Applebee's again the best restaurant. I ordered a Bahama no. Bahama Mama, and Katie's brother thought it was so funny. Anyways, um, yeah, Chili's Presidente Margarita. Just to wrap, just to put a bow on that. <laughs> okay, no Chili's talk on this episode. So finally, examine your hunger. I think this is another very important one because it is crazy to kind of get in tune with this and realize there are a lot of things like I talked in, I talked about this on a podcast a while back that was like about my uh, relationship with food and alcohol and kind of working through this. Um, and Natalie, it's after this episode, I think you have more of a relationship with alcohol than I realized also. Um, <laughs> but it is kind of crazy to really start to examine the things that give you the urge to eat or drink when it's not actual like hunger or thirst, but like to deal with something. So I know like a lot of times and not so much anymore, but there was a very long time when I'd be like sitting at my desk trying to work. I don't feel very focused. And I'd be like, I'm hungry. I need to get up and eat. I like get up and like immediately start walking to the pantry. Then it's like, wait, no, I'm not. That's super weird. But it's like, a. Uh, so in that case, it was like, I was boredom. It was a way for me to procrastinate, but we use that to deal with stress. Um, same thing goes for alcohol is another very good source of this or like caffeine. I think that for a very long time, it shifted for, for me from alcohol to, to like manage things like that, to caffeine to manage things like that. Um, anyways, uh, just taking a moment when your brain tells you you're hungry to actually examine what does this hunger actually feel like in my body. And similarly with the, like what we discussed before, just like expecting there to be some hunger, Taking a moment to again really just try to feel that. What is the actual sensation of your of hunger like in your stomach? And a lot of times you'll notice, like, hmm, that's not actually the case, right? I don't actually feel anything there. And I also think like if that's if that's what you find, then I would ask yourself, like, what else am I feeling emotionally and physically? Right. Um, am I sad? Am I stressed? Am I bored? Am I angry at Natalie? Um, whatever it might be. And maybe that emotion is driving it. Or People, we also use it to distract from physical discomfort, right? So is it like I, um, I've talked to like many clients about this, like um, maybe you feel sick and again, food is not, not de depending on the type of sickness, but again, like when we feel shitty physically, sometimes it is a good way to kind of distract from that. So just again, kind of trying to examine that a little bit further is very helpful. And when we talk about this, like sitting with hunger, 
it's interesting how often you will have the gut reaction, I'm hungry. And then when you examine it, it's, there's actually like no sensation of hunger there. I think this has been one of the most single, this was like one of the single most helpful things for me when I first was like able to successfully follow a diet because it was something I really struggled with before. Um, anything else to add from you? I think um, something that I find really interesting is just like people's perception, various perceptions of mm -hmm. hunger, mm -hmm. you know, and like, I always have on my check-in form with my clients, like, you know, rate your hunger this week. Like, how hungry are you? You know, as in like ravenous or like not at all, or usually people are somewhere on the lower end or in the middle. Um, but you see some interesting things. And like just this week, you know, I, I had someone say like seven out of 10 mm -hmm. and like she's been eating more food than like ever, you right. know? And, and so I had to like come back and it, instead of like, I would see a seven out of 10, I'm like, whoa, that's getting up there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I asked her, I said, Hey, like, let's dig into this a little bit more. Like what, um, describe to me your hunger. Like how hungry are you in between meals? Um, are you hungry at night? Like, are you waking up hungry? And she's like, Oh yeah, like, there's a little bit of hunger before meals, but I just, you know, I remember, you know, I used to just be like ravenous, right. um, because she was kind of like you know, not spacing her meals properly, like not really eating enough sort of thing. But I, I, I think again, people's perception of hunger is like unique. And I think it's, it's often worth like examining and digging into mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes like upon further investigation, like, oh, okay, you're actually like not, not actually that hungry. You're just hungry. Right. Um, yeah. and again, like to our first point, you're in a calorie deficit here. So going to be, a little bit hungry. So let's learn to sit with that a little bit. Yeah. I think it's just not a normal thing for us to really think about. It's again, kind of like an, almost something that feels more instinctual. So, yeah. and we just typically trust that, but I think that is one of, uh, with most clients, we're just getting you introspective on, let's dig in this a little bit more. Let's talk through this a bit more. Right. And because there's almost always like other things there that Sometimes you are actually just hungry. And again, like sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we can meet that need. Um, and then sometimes there's something else going on. But I think like it's always, it's worth, especially if it's not something you're really in tune with, something you've really considered before. I think it's for sure worth being introspective about. Um, that's all I had for this episode. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? No, I could talk about like chicken tenders and, and chilies though. Like for all Tendies and chilies. Tendies, chilies. Uh, all my favorite things <laughs> on that note thank you guys for tuning in we will catch everybody next time